Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. John chapter 1, right at the early stages of Jesus' ministry is coming to life. And um, it's under the passage where he starts to be uh, called his first disciples. And it's so wonderful in the early parts of worship how we've touched on it already. And I'll come to that in a moment. It says in verse 43, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Keep on following me are the actual words. Follow me. Lost my place there. I got so excited about that. There we go. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. What a brilliant response. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for the accounts that have been recorded by these great men who walked with you. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, you would guide me, Lord, to lead these dear brothers and sisters as we lay hold of you, as we receive you, Spirit of God, to help us have those same words of Philip. Come see. Lead me this morning, Lord. Amen. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. And I hope that this morning I can lead you in this to inspire us to see how God is at work in the nations, how God is at work in our cities and in our towns, how He's actively at work in our society as we go forward. And in this passage, we see this young man sitting under the fig tree. And it's so funny reading some commentators. They spend more time trying to work out what the meaning of the fig tree is than they are of the actual message of the passage. And you say, why? It's a fig tree. So we're going to park the fig tree and we're going to have a look at this man. And in answering the question that... Nathaniel has, how do, you, how do you know me? I believe we'll discover some things that will help us as churches and as communities 
to reach out to those around us. Before leaving Dubai, I traveled to India many, many times. And I'm sorry I'm not dressed up. <laughs> Heather and I have crates of Indian clothing uh, on our farm. And often when we do these days, Heather will wear a sari. And um, then I'm really Heather's husband, you know, just absolutely beautiful. And really loved India and continue to see great work. In fact, today there's another church. Last weekend there was one born. Today there's another one coming through, even in a land where there's great persecution at the moment. We must pray for this nation of India. There's great hardship there. But on one of my travels, I um, was there and I came across this couple. And those from India will pick up a few things almost immediately. On the right is my dear friend Franco Lollapan, who leads our work in India. I've been working with him for some 12 years now. And we've seen our few churches in India just explode. And I think they've got 12 church plants um, on the go at the moment. We're preparing for them. But as in a romance, I was sitting next to this young couple. And this picture was actually last week because I said, a picture of them that Franco sent it to me and the the guy is his name is Amit and his wife here is Muska and this young couple had the most incredible story I sat down I thought goodness Lord this is what you do when we see what God is doing constantly behind the scenes how he's active sometimes as churches we we take on the response we've got to make this thing grow jesus said i will build my church he's active he's doing it and as i listen to their story this young couple and um, the english wasn't very good and my hindi was terrible i could sing a few of the songs so it was a good reminder today but ahmed told the story of where he came from and this family quite an influential family in the eastern part of the country I'm not going to mention too many names um, and he said but I met this young Muslim girl Muskan and I knew immediately this is the one I needed to marry but the chances of that happening were absolutely nothing. There was no chance. And so they, they had this friendship and was developing this love, this deep connection that they felt, but in a place where these two coming together was impossible. And those of you from that nation would most probably think, I know that situation. And so they decided to come up with a plan and they ran away together. Now both, one coming from Hindu background, one from a Muslim background, and they head for Mumbai, right across the country, 26 hours later, they arrive in Mumbai. Someone had said to them, you could come to me, but whether it actually happened, they said, no, we don't want you anywhere near here. And so after a few days, they found themselves on Dada Station, which some of you will know, if you've got time, go and have a look at that. Look at Rush Hour Dada Station. It is unbelievable. Um, as I don't know how many million people try and get on one or two trains. It's just quite, quite, a, quite something. 
And they found themselves sitting there, and after a day, they, or two, they ran out of money. They knew they couldn't return home. They knew they had no way forward or backwards. And this young couple sat and slept on that station. And in the early hours in the morning, this fairly elderly lady with a little brass broom came along the platform and her very low paid job was to clean the station. And she's sweeping and cleaning the station and suddenly she gets there and she looks up and she finds in the corner this young couple leaning up against the wall. She gets into conversation with them and she says, what? what are you doing here? And finds out that they had decided as the rush hour starts to throw themselves off the over hanging bridge before the trains that leave in the morning. There was no hope, absolutely nothing. And this dear lady, named Rada, happens to be a member of Franco's church. She works at night, cleaning the station, and she says to them, no, no, come home with me. Home was a 10 foot by 10 foot little room with seven people in it and a little loft-type area. Franco told me the story, he said, Steve, I don't know how she did it, but she made a room for them. And she said, you stay as long as you want. Okay. They eventually said, where are you going? She said, why don't you come and see? Come and see. Come and see where I go. So they came to One Nation Church. They're sitting in the back, watching all of this. And lo and behold, there's an Englishman there by the name of Rodney Hagar. And this is a couple that have no understanding of God. Nothing. Most remote thing ever. And Rodney starts prophesying over the different people in the church. And he comes to them. And God just gives him word for word about their life. So, oh, you've run away with this. And they stand and think, what is this? Well, the wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, is that they got wonderfully saved. Ahmed is now in his third year of doing a B theology, Bachelor of Theology. And they're planning to go back and plant a church in the East. I'm not going to mention the names. But you look at a story like this, and there are so many. When we lived in Dubai, we met people where you think, oh, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jesus appearing to people in their houses. You think, oh, sorry. this is incredible. And that's what he does. Like Nathaniel sitting under the tree, and his friend comes up and says, Messiah. If you go back and truly realize that maybe uh, Philip is around when John's baptizing, he's there when John proclaims, he comes the Lamb of God. Maybe he's just caught up in this. He's starting to see. And the excitement is brilliant that the Messiah is here. And he comes, Nathaniel, we found him. And then he mentions Nazareth. And if you know Galilee and Nazareth, there was no love lost there. 
Nazareth up on the hill, Galilee below. They didn't quite get what good can come from Nazareth. And that can get into our hearts as believers, but that's a different subject. We must be careful of that. And as he's sitting there, Jesus comes, a true Israelite. Scripture, John doesn't record any details of what Nathaniel's thinking about, but it's obvious that he's got his mind on God. I'll tell you what I think he was thinking about. I think he was thinking about Jacob. The time where Jacob's sleeping, this man who was a scoundrel, you know, he's just on the run, all these problems, and then suddenly he puts his head on a stone and he has this vision of an open heaven, of a ladder between heaven and earth, this wonderful promise that comes. And Jesus knows it and speaks to him and uses that except one thing, he leaves the ladder out. But that's by and by, because Jesus is that connection for us. Philip doesn't get into an argument. He doesn't say, well, listen, don't be so harsh on Nazareth. Don't get into that. All he does is come and see. Do you want to know how to lead, uh, sorry, how to reach London? We need to be, be believers to get those words in our heart. Because what you've got here, what we've got growing in our community, is the very thing that the world is looking for. We live in a divided world. More divided than many of you have known in your lifetime. I, I'm older. I've seen a very divided world, particularly in my nation. But now we see it's so more divided. But here in the church, we have something that people are looking for. And I'll come to that in a moment. And so begins this beautiful interaction between Jesus and Nathaniel. And I've got a few thoughts I would like to give you out of that scripture. So the first one, I want you to see how Jesus initiates. So with that young couple you saw a moment ago, Jesus initiated with them. He takes someone from his church, from his body, someone who we might look in the congregation and say, okay, that's not as important as that one or, you know, this job. He takes them and he puts them there to unlock what is going to be one of our most valuable church planters in our Indian work. He initiates. He said in Luke 19.10, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. Many years ago, while we were in Dubai, Hannah was with us, we got a call to say, go and visit some people and talk them on their journey. He said, ah, we'd love to. You know, who are they? You know, we're quite busy. And they said, they're a family who have had this visitation. He said, tell us more. And obviously they come from a Muslim background, don't know much about Jesus. There was something in their hearts that was hungry. And the guy came home one day, he closed the 
the, the front door of this apartment on the 33rd floor of one of those high rises. And as he turned around, Jesus was standing in the hallway. And it's interesting, I love this about Jesus, he never really introduces himself. <laughs> because it's almost like our, our hearts know. Yeah. Because that's what we were made for. Yeah. Anyway, long story, and I must move on. He was radically saved right there and then. Right there and then. He had a problem. He had a wife, a daughter, and one or two sons, I can't remember now. And they weren't there. So anyway, they come home, and now he's thinking, you how do you explain this? Well, you know, you came home, there was someone here. Who was it? Well, they asked, they said, if it's Jesus, why doesn't he appear to us? He did. <laughs> when Heather and I went around to their home, you could just see their faces shining. Radically saved, they came to Gateway, but weren't allowed to introduce them or even acknowledge they were among us. They sat at the back. Jesus initiates, brothers and sisters. When God calls us, as He has used a church to touch London, you can sometimes <laughs> look at us. I mean, I don't know how many people are here, but who are we? How can our prayers, you the God of the city, Lord, come? Touch the people. How can it touch us? Well, I want to say to you that Jesus initiates. When Paul arrived in the city of Corinth, same sort of feeling. In fact, it says he was filled with fear. God says, Paul, don't fear. I have many in this city. That's the mindset we need. When we walk out of here, okay, Lord, connect me with the ones you are working in and anybody else. And we will see great breakthrough. I understand at your camp that Steph Liston encouraged you in this area of reaching out. And I believe there is low hanging fruit for salvation and evangelism right now. Really do believe it. And I want to pray for you a little bit later around that. I get to speak all over the world, but I must tell you, that I'm actually very shy. And when I listen to the likes of my dear friend here, Daniel, and his understanding and everything, I think, oh, I, if I go and I land up speaking to someone, they ask me some difficult question. How am I going to reply? What if I don't know? What if I don't know? When I saw this, I thought, I can do that. I can do that. I can meet someone and come and see, and then suddenly realize, oh, I actually have been doing that all my life. I can do that. And that's what God wants. He initiates. But secondly, everyone needs a Philip. And you can be one. You can be one. You can use the God-given gift that God has given you to reach out. The thing about Philip that I love more than anything is how excited he was. That's the thing lacking in many Christians. 
And that's where the spirit comes. When you stop and you think, look around the room. I don't know how many nations are represented here. But there is nothing like the church of Jesus Christ that can bring people together as one. Maybe at a football match, everybody will wear the same shirt. But they won't join. For a moment, they'll cheer and maybe sing a rude song or two. <laughs> but the church is unique. Yes. That should be an opportunity for us to say, come and see. Come and see. I was a very hard-hearted businessman. I got saved at 14, the same day as Heather. Um, in fact, she was standing next to me that day. Um, and never realized that we were giving our hearts and receiving Jesus, conscience cleansed, heart renewed. That one day we would be married, but it didn't take too long to discover that. But we drifted away from God. In our teens, South Africa was in a mess at the time. And young guys like me were whipped away to go army and all sorts of stuff. And we lost our way. Started a business. I thought, oh, I want to be self-made. Built up a company in Cape Town, South Africa. And we had set our course. And we were having fun. And you name it, life was good. Until one day, I employed a Philip. His name was Angus. And I needed a sales manager. And in he came. I'll never forget, he walks like this. He'd been in a bad car accident. So he walks came in like that and we all sort of big eyes and who's this guy but there was something about him he was excited about his church as I found out very quickly because he opened his briefcase I'm waiting for the CV and he took out a very well worn new American stand I can still remember it because I could see all the writing on it and he put it down on the desk and he said I know all about your company, but before we get there, I want to tell you who I am. I'm sitting holding on my desk, you know, I'm far from God, I'm trying to keep God there, I'm trying to get on with my life, I'm trying to build my family and all the toys and all the things I still want to acquire. Now suddenly I've got this guy and I'm did. And he said, okay, I want to work for you. I know all about your company. I've researched. I like this, by the way, and that, that. But Wednesday night, out, can't work. I go to my life group. Someone excited about life groups. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Sundays, all day. Can't be with you. Saturdays, yeah, I'll make a plan. But Sunday, oh, except if there's training, then I can't be I mean, I'm sitting there. Heather brings tea, you know, we both sort of looking at each other think, who is this? But you know what? There was something about him. What he didn't know is that God was already working in Amen. our hearts, which we found out later. And you know what his thing was? Every week from then on, year after year, it took him a long time to get through to us. He would say, why don't you come and see? Come, come to what's called Stellenbosch Christian Fellowship. Come and have a look. 
and the, sorry, you know, we got this on, we got that on, and eventually, oh, we ran out of excuses. <laughs> we came into a community like this. We discovered togetherness. We saw joy. We discovered security. People knew they were. The world, everyone's trying to find out who they are. Here in the church, they knew. We settled. They might not have everything, but they settled. We found people that wanted us to be there. That's not what the world's like. We've become so individualistic. Everyone can be a Philip or an Angus. I'm so grateful for it. So grateful. And then the worship started. You know, sometimes as church leaders we can get it. You know, we've got lots of new people amongst us. Just keep them. No! When they started, 500 people singing in tongues. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> it was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I didn't know what it was, but I did ask. Three days later, we come right back to God and the rest is history. In fact, every time I do something, I send Angus a message. I said, it's just been, I'm sure you heard your cash register go bing bing, because I'm in this place and we've just seen this happen and that. It's because of you, Angus. You didn't leave me where I was. I need to finish here, Daniel. Brothers and sisters, you can be a Philip. I can't stand on the streets and preach. It's not my gift. But I like sports. I play golf now and again where we are. And I go and sit there. And the guy said, hey, see, tell us what you do again. You know, because they can't get their head around what I do. So I tell them story. And then I think, what story can I tell them? And then I sit there and I share a story. Oh, we bought a building and think, what do you mean you bought a building? I said, well, I saw it advertised. And you know me, I haven't got any money, that's why you guys need your help, by the way. But anyway, we'll come to that now. But we saw this building, I remember this one. And um, we had no money. But I bought it in faith, because I, I, we needed one for the church plants in the city. And I came home, guys, and you will not believe it. The exact amount of money I needed in cash was on our dining room table. And they all said, this. this is my way of being a Philip. Why didn't you come and see? The next thing, I had someone offer to give us a big vehicle, a big truck to go fetch the building because it was in another place for This is years ago, but anyway, you can do it. So, be a Philip. Come and see. This is worth showing your friends. Amen. People say, what do you do over the weekend? You might think, was at church. No. Yeah. Oh, we had this crazy South African with us. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them. Yeah. I don't mind. Okay, number three. The thing we see further, Jesus knows everything. Jesus knows you. He knows the people that you're reaching out to. It's the most incredible thing. So Nathaniel there is obviously a man who understood scripture. I think he was in contemplation. And as I say, I think he was most probably meditating on the story of Jacob. And this, 
how heaven and earth, how this ladder would be provided. And here the very ladder, Jesus Christ, comes and says, Nathaniel. Absolutely incredible. Jeremiah, as you know, this beautiful verse, Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you, I knew you. He knows us. It's absolutely wonderful. And you might, just to go off track just a little bit, because I put this in, you, that might be for someone today. You're carrying something that is just so burdensome. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Come to me, all of you who are weary and of heavy laden. I will give you rest. Nathaniel found rest. His response was, you got what he was thinking on Nathaniel. Absolutely beautiful. Just Nazareth. I know you, says Jesus. And what a wonderful thing. God is often the closest when he thinks when we think he's the furthest away. And that can be today. Number four and finally. Jesus brought heaven very near. And we can live with that understanding that we will see heaven open. We will see God break in. And I think that's what Nathaniel, as I've said, was thinking about. And here is Jesus opening the door. Jesus brought heaven close for that young couple sitting on a station. Where suddenly their lives are transformed. They think they're running away and they're wonderfully married now, as you saw. They've got a little, little daughter. Whole life transformed because of the work of Jesus Christ in their lives. I don't know Rada, the lady who reached out to them, but she must have seemed like an angel. When we first moved to the mountains, we had this constant problem of problematic cars. Now, we don't have any transport there, so if you don't have a vehicle that's fairly substantial, you're in trouble. And we just had this problem with cars for quite a long time. Heather and our, my young son Adam headed off to the town and only made it halfway um, and the car broke down I couldn't remember if it was a fuel problem or whatever and the next thing she arrived home on the back of a Harley Davidson <laughs> with our little son sitting in the front and I said to you how did that happen? She said, I don't know. I don't know. He, he just arrived. He said, I'll take you home. And then dropped him off. And then he was gone. And Heather said to me, sometimes I think that was an angel. I thought, well, I want an angel with a Harley Davidson. <laughs> Jesus said, through the church, I will display my manifold wisdom. Rather came with a little room. He'll use you with the little you know, with the heart of Jesus to change this city. Amen. Did you see the floods in Malawi recently? Yes. Just devastating. I saw a post yesterday. Our new church plant. Guess what it's called? 
Trinity Church Zomba. Okay, it's in Zomba City. Okay, same name as you. They've only been going since the beginning of the year. Yesterday, the whole church went into the hospital and cleaned it from top to bottom because they're suffering so much. Services gone. I said, no, the church will arise. Brothers and sisters, that gives us opportunity to say, come and see. Just for a moment, think earlier on. We had that challenge. Think of one person. Think of one person. Imagine this week if we ask God for one person. Okay, I've got faith to believe God can bring one person next week. Do you realize how many extra chairs you're going to have to put out? That's the church. That's the activated church. No one is unreachable. Heather's father, he's five, four inches taller than me, tall man. I remember going knocking on the door to ask if I could take Heather out. And he opened the door and here's this guy looking down at me. But he was a beautiful man. But he described himself as a happy pagan. So when we started going for God, Heather's dad, Mike, was oh, yeah, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm a happy pagan. Let's go enjoy life. And we despaired at times. We loved him. He was so kind to us. But he just didn't want to know. Got through his 60s and into his 70s. And then we had a week of prayer and fasting. And we wrote down requests. And we wrote down on the day we wrote down Peter Michael Carney. We stuck it up on the church wall that day of prayer and fasting. He said, God, have mercy on him. Two weeks later on our farm, we got a call. Had a landline in those days. Hello, Heather, it's Daddy here. I've got some news to tell you. Just given his life to the Lord. I'm afraid it took us a long time to get our heads around that. It just shows you. You know, we just thought it was, it's impossible. Nothing, nothing's going to get through to him. Except a loving Saviour. Who initiates, who opens hearts and softens a city. Who walks the street. He fills apartments. He sits in the offices with you. Tapping people on the shoulder. Moving them. Because... God so loved the world. 